0: Hello, I'm Jonathan Mast. Welcome to this edition of the Cedric podcast. My guest today is Dr. Rima Hamoud, AVP of Clinical Pharmacy. Rima, it's great to talk to you again. How are you?
1: Good morning, Jonathan. I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Well, I could be funny and say I'm feeling really sleepy, but, uh, you know, that's their topic today, (laughs) the impact of sleep on employee safety and effectiveness. And I think this is going to be a really interesting topic, I, I I think I've read that now sleep deprivation is uh, maybe more of a leading cause in car accidents and even driving under the influence of alcohol and drugs. And so I can imagine across the board in work, we have a lot to talk about. Is that correct?
1: Oh, absolutely. There are numerous studies that have been published recently that talks about employee safety, especially for drivers and workers with sleep problems have about 1.6 times higher risk of being injured than workers without any sleep problems so this is definitely an issue right now um a good topic to talk about even if you're sleepy
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh well you'll keep me awake i'm sure it'll be great well you you touched on it a little bit and i kind of i kind of teased it but you know why why are sleep issues you know what what are things that are causing sleep issues and are there any statistics that, in addition to one you just mentioned, that you find compelling? Obviously, we're coming off of and out of and still in a, a very stressful time, so I'm sure that's one thing. What else?
1: Yes, COVID is definitely an issue, and I'll talk about it just in a minute. What was interesting is, as I was looking into the sleep disturbances and what is our current status, approximately one-third of all Americans have sleep disorder at some point in their life, and 20% of adults report chronic insomnia. So if you just think of that number, it's a huge chunk of population. But the insomnia could be coming from any different cause. So it's not just one thing that's leads into insomnia. It could be any medical condition. It could be a psychological condition. Or it could even be like an environmental problem, right? So when we think about medical condition, it's kind of interesting. Well, We typically don't think about like cardiac issue or cerebrovascular issue, like our CNS as insomnia that would lead into insomnia. But interestingly, stroke or um, myocardial infarction, which is um, like a heart attack, could cause or could lead to insomnia. And uh, other medical conditions such as dementia or sleep apnea um, or Parkinson, it could lead to insomnia and when we think about our elderly population or older adults, they have fifty percent of our older adults have diagnosable diagnosable insomnia. Um, That is frequently overlooked. We just think of like, oh, it's just, you know, normal progression of age, but really it's an underlying condition that's causing insomnia. Um, It could be other issues like GI issues um, or psychiatric conditions. So when we think of depression, psychiatric disorder, anxiety, ADHD, um, that can all lead into insomnia either as a diagnosis or the drugs that they're using for that diagnosis. And substance use disorder is another issue. So we think of alcohol. Some patients might find it easier to initiate sleep with alcohol consumption, but in reality it can disrupt sleep or it can lead into abnormalities of the circadian rhythm. So it's really shortening the sleep duration. Um, And then cocaine, ecstasy, THC, cannabis use, um, even caffeine. I mean, caffeine is the most commonly used stimulant, and that can lead into um, that can cause insomnia. And then um, environmental wow. factors. Another issue, uh, thing that I talked about um, is the work hours, right? So employee-related stress or long work hours—they um, all kind of lead into insomnia. So we talk about medical condition, but psychological condition. And the environmental problem, and talking about the environment, I mean we're still in the midst of COVID, and that has significantly lead into higher rates of depression and anxiety, and ultimately causing insomnia. So,
0: yeah, you know I you know me well enough. You know how much I love my caffeine. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll we just talked to Dr. Bartlett last week on an episode, and and she reminded uh, our listeners about that, but. Well, let's talk about employee safety and and why we're here. Um, You know, from that perspective, what are the risks of being sleep deprived? uh, Whether that's in the workplace or, and you've talked a little bit on the road, but and that can also be your workplace. What are what are the risks there? What are you seeing?
1: Yeah. So what's interesting is CDC recommend older, I'm I'm sorry, CDC recommend adults to have about seven to nine hours of sleep each night. But 35% of Americans get less than seven hours. I mean, myself, this whole week, I'm, like, sleep-deprived, less than six hours of sleep, lots of caffeine in the day. Um, so we all kind of juggle with this work-life balance, and uh, it leads into insomnia not just at home, but it seeps into our work. So employees who drive as part of their job are especially at risk, right? So there was one study that was recently conducted um, and it looked at employees who got less than six hours of sleep, and 33% of them are more likely to get into a motor vehicle accident compared to people who um, did not have any sleep deprivation. And they link this lack of sleep as having the same effect as driving with a blood level, blood alcohol level of 005 um, so not quite as 0.08, but still at a really high uh, comparison um, if you're sleep-deprived and um, if you're comparing it to blood alcohol level. And then there are many other case studies that we are seeing in the last few years that kind of came up that linked sleep deprivation to um, accidents that happen at work. You are, um, depending on the means of work, Employee can put their own uh, life at risk or people uh, around them. Mistakes happen. There's a slow efficiency, poor decision-making. And also the sleep deprivation can increase um, their other comorbidities like high blood pressure, obesity, anxiety, and depression, and all that can lead into poor um, um poor attention at work um and uh, let's see there was um one study that in korea actually that looked at people who were sleep deprived and their occupational injury and this study was actually just published um last year and that looked at people who are sleep deprived um, had a really high risk of occupational injury And then during COVID, when we looked at our nurses with really long work hours, there was a high risk of work-related injury for someone who worked more than 12 hours compared to people who did 8 to 10-hour shift. Um, And then um, employees feel emotionally exhausted when their brains become overworked, and that leads into impaired thinking, slowed physical reaction, and impaired emotional responses. So it's really challenging to maintain focus and attention while at work, and you have that uh, sleep deprivation. Almost 38% of employees experienced fatigue over the last two weeks, as just found um, in a recent study. And it also shows that workers with fatigue, 60, 65% reported health-related loss productivity, Um, productive time compared with 26% of people uh, who did not experience any fatigue. So when we look at all the data that's kind of coming out over the last few years, it shows that people who have insomnia or sleep deprivation, it doesn't just lead to accidents. Uh, I mean, of course, which is really bad, but also uh, productivity and uh, really a toll on their health, um, physical health and emotional health. Well, that
0: is. yeah, those are all huge stats, and I, I think one thing that seems pretty common, of all the things we can – well, you would hope we could control in our life, and actually the one health thing that might be the easiest to do, right, is you would think is to get more sleep or sleep better or well. Well, let's lead into then talk about all the bad outcomes. What What can we do to get better sleep? And I know a lot of people – you mentioned alcohol – there's a lot of advertisements, take this, do this. So is there any pros or cons or to natural supplements versus prescription? Stay away from both, or is there a place in life for those?
1: Sure. So when we think about how do we overall uh, positively impact our sleep, the biggest thing is exercise, because sleep and exercise have been found to exert Substantial positive effect on each other. So, and it really applies to all ages, but middle age and elderly, regardless of what type or intensity of exercise it is, if they spend at least 30 minutes of exercise a day, it has significant improvement in quality of sleep. So not just initiation and maintenance of sleep, but really the quality of sleep. And when we talk about quality, that's like going into the REM cycle, going into that slow wave, deep sleep mode. And that's what really um, boosts energy the next day and also have positive physical outcomes on patient's life. And I use the word patient loosely, um, really on a person's life. And uh, so sleep is really important, right? And that's something we have a control over. And it doesn't have to be high-intensity workout or really um, strength training or anything like that. Just like 30 minutes of brisk walk has uh, shown positive impact on the quality of sleep. Another thing is the food, what we eat, what goes into our body, and uh, can, can really impact sleep. I talked earlier about the GI or gastrointestinal issues causing sleep problems. Um, so when we think about our food, we need to be mindful of what we are eating. I mean, of course, we love our coffee. Um, I love coffee, too, but I try not to have any past 5 p.m. because I know for myself, if I have anything after 5 p.m., it's going to impact my sleep. For some people, it might just be 2 p.m. Um, really depends on the person. So Foods that are rich um, are heavy in carbohydrates, or foods containing tryptophan or melatonin, they can improve sleep outcomes, but foods like refined sugars or energy rich foods that can lead into poor sleep outcomes. And of course, we talked about alcohol or substance um, or even nicotine that can negatively impact sleep. But anytime you have vegetable foods high fiber that controls your um, GI motility so you have a good gastrointestinal balance that can improve sleep drastically. And then we talk about sleep hygiene, right? Like if you want to improve your sleep quality, you want to have a good sleep hygiene. That means going to bed around the same time every day because our body produces natural substance called melatonin. And melatonin can get disrupted if you're traveling, Um, if you have different work hours or if you're working the night shift. Um, So to supplement that melatonin, that's when you will use over-the-counter medication, which is melatonin as well. That can help um, get you back into your circadian rhythm. But, of course, you don't want to use melatonin for a long time. You don't want your body to be dependent on that external melatonin. You want your own body to produce melatonin, and for that, sleep hygiene is so important. So going to bed at the same time every day, um, making your bedroom just a place for sleep, so not having television or um, electronics in your bedroom. I mean, I know we're so addicted to our telephone these days, but that's something you want to be mindful of when you're trying to have a better sleep hygiene. And not eating any processed food late at night, decreasing your alcohol and caffeine consumption, um, so all kind of play part. Um, when we're talking about good sleep hygiene.
0: <laughs> I was just gonna say that I'm gonna have a turkey leg every night before I go to bed, right? Get the...
1: <laughs> right. That's why we're so tired of Thanksgiving. I never want to pick up dishes afterwards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well there's a lot it of is... truth to that. Well
1: yeah.
0: well as we as we wind down toward the end and we have uh, if you know, obviously we all work uh, and what, uh, you know, employees to be safe. So what, what steps can employers take to reduce work fatigue, ensure employees are getting adequate sleep, rest? I mean, you know, outside of, I know at one point in time in some places, there are even such things as, uh, you know, naps are encouraged here and there, but that's obviously not realistic for most workplaces. So what, what can an employer do to help those in the workplace who are suffering from a lot of different fatigue issues?
1: Yes, um, and that's a really good question as we're thinking of how can we help our um, employees and uh, decrease accidents or incidents at work. Um, fatigue related incidents can be easily avoided through prevention, operational changes, and education. So when we talk about prevention and operational changes, um, try to avoid any long hour shifts. So I mentioned earlier people who work more than 12 hours are at high risk of accidents um, compared to employees with 8 to 10-hour shift. So an employer can make a mindful effort of decreasing those long shift hours, especially those night shift hours, so adjusting the schedule a little bit, and then assigning regular predictable schedules. This way the employee can take a nap before even coming to work. So I, like you mentioned, it's not really realistic to take naps at work, um, although the residents in a hospital setting are often encouraged to take naps in between their shifts because they do such long-hour shifts. But to the most part, it's not reasonable. So if an employee knows a regular predictable schedule, they can take a nap before even coming to work. And then have adequate time to recover between shifts, so not doing back-to-back-to-back 12-hour shifts, giving break in between. Um, So this way an employee can manage their schedule a little bit better. And then providing frequent breaks between shifts. So if somebody is working long shifts, um, if they have adequate breaks in between, um, that can help their drive back home the next morning or however long their shift is. And then another interesting thing, um, all it, it's been investigated but hasn't really been fully um, put in place or tested, is the workplace lights. So if they are adjusting workplace lights and more access to uh, windows and ventilation, that can actually improve um, employees' um Uh, It it can lead into less drowsiness um, or tiredness while the employees at work, so that would help them um, drive back home safely. And then providing transportation. So if you know that your employees are working these really long shifts and might be tired, offering that transportation can uh, decrease the chance of them getting into an accident. And then lastly, education. Um, Offering sleep disorder screening and programs and really encouraging the wellness program. Um, what we have seen is it just talking about sleep hygiene can take you one step closer to becoming, um, up to optimize your sleep, but actually individualizing the counseling and providing specific tools to the employees along with education can really improve the quality of sleep. So education alone is not beneficial. You wanna give those individualized tools to your employee to facilitate um, them being more successful and having a better sleep.
0: All very good tips. And as we close, last question, and I know this is something that you and I share because we, we're we active outside of work, and I'm very big on my wearable device, and I have an app and all those kinds of things. So what are your thoughts, advice to people on, wearables that monitor sleep, sleep, whether that's a watch or something else. Um, is that useful? Does that help us? I know it varies, and sometimes I look at mine and go, you know, there's no way whether that's <laughs> – got a lot of deep sleep or no deep sleep, but I'm always fascinated and look at it every morning. So what's your advice?
1: Oh, oh absolutely, and, and you're right. I'm totally about these wearable devices. In fact, I wear two because I don't trust one. So I have one in my right hand and the other in my left arm. So, um, there, there are two things when we talk about the wearable devices, right? So the first one is, is it improving your sleep health? And the second is, is it an effective tool to really, really measure the sleep states? And there, there was a recent study, um, in Europe that looked at these wearable devices when it comes to improving sleep health. And it was a huge meta-analysis, and it looked at a vast population, including cancer patients, post-surgery patients, and just healthy adults. And what they found was um, that these tools were not effective in actually improving with sleep health. It didn't give a good um, – it didn't help them assess if there, were, if there was a need for intervention. So, there was a follow up study to really answer that question, and that looked at like, is it an effective tool to measure the sleep state? And it compared numerous devices to an um, electroencephalogram machine, which is an EEG machine. And uh, it measured EEG from an actual machine compared to all these other wearable devices. And what they found was um, all these sleep trackers varied significantly from the actual EEG results. There were only two that came really close in in terms of total sleep time, total wake time, and sleep efficiency, but none of them were able to accurately measure the onset and duration of different sleep stages. So are we there yet? Probably not. I mean, these are really good tools, but being really obsessed with how it's measuring our sleep that can actually lead to bad sleep habits as well. So they're they're not an answer yet.
0: <laughs> well, that makes makes total sense. So it, as with everything, moderation. Take it with a grain of salt. So, well, uh, Rima, thank you so much for so much great information. So much to digest. I, I don't know. I probably won't be able to sleep tonight because I'm gonna be thinking about all this. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look at it's uh,
0: <laughs> But it is a serious topic, and and as you know, right off the bat, you stated the amount, you know, driving sleepy and what it equates to as an alcohol level is scary. So uh, please uh, take this information, you know, think about your employees, how you can help them, uh, this advice. And as always, if you want to learn more, you can visit visit us at www.cedric.com. And uh, thanks again for being with us today, Dr. Hamoud.
1: Thank you for having me. Pleasure.